Hi, welcome to Pitt Town Church. We are so glad that you're listening to this podcast. We pray that this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If you would like more information, check out our website at www.pitttownchurch.com. The first reading today comes from Acts 13, starting at verse 42 to 52. As they were leaving, the people begged that these matters be presented to them the following Sabbath. After the synagogue had been dismissed, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who were speaking with them and persuading them to continue in the grace of God. The following Sabbath, almost the whole town assembled to hear the message of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to oppose what Paul was saying by insulting them. Then Paul and Barnabas boldly said, It was necessary that God's message be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and consider yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and glorified the message of the Lord and all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. So the message of the Lord spread through the whole region. But the Jews incited the prominent women who worshipped God and the leading men of the city. They stirred up prosecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their district. But they shook the dust off their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. The second reading today comes from Acts 14, starting at verse 21, going through to verse 28. After they had evangelized that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them, it is necessary to pass through many troubles on our way into the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia, after they, after they spoke the message of, in Perga, they went down to Italia. From there, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been entrusted to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. After they arrived and gathered the church together, they reported everything God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a considerable time with the disciples. Well, uh, it's so good that you guys have joined us for church today. Um, Happy Father's Day. Um, I remember there was a time when I was a little kid where I made my dad pancakes, um, but instead of putting uh, sugar in, I put salt in it. They were horrible, and mum pretty much force-fed them into dad. Um, Maybe you had one of those experiences this morning. I'm not sure. Um, But maybe, as Preen and Holly have said, um, today is a particularly hard day for you. Wherever you're at this morning, I am so glad that you have joined us for church, for I believe God has something to say to us from his word. Uh, So why don't you join with me as I pray again, um, as we open up the Bible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that we can gather in this way. Father, I pray that you'd show us more of Jesus and your word would be a a lamp to our feet and and a light to our path. Do all this. Show us more of Jesus for your glory. And I ask this in his precious name. Amen. Well, I'm not sure if many of you guys have been to old churches. 
Um, there's many distinct architectural features in, in old churches, which I don't actually know much about. Um, but one key feature that I found out about years ago is that for some churches, when you look up at the ceiling, it looks like the bottom of a ship or a boat, kind of upside down the inside of a ship. Uh, and a boat was a bit of a symbol of the church. Now, I want to ask you all a question this morning, today. If you've been saved, if you're a part of God's people, what sort of boat, what sort of ship are we on? Are we on a cruise ship? Since we've been saved, which is great, are we called to just sit back and put up our, our feet? Well, our beloved former senior minister, Greg Peasley, who is also a dad, happy Father's Day, Greg, and a spiritual dad to many, would say, no, we're not called to be on a cruise ship. We've actually been called to be on God's life rescue mission, on, on life rescue boats. And the Bible would agree with that because, well, there's an urgent situation. The stakes are eternal. As we voyage with Jesus, there are bodies in the water. There are people that are spiritually dead that don't know him and, and are facing his judgment. And as Christians, as God's church, he has sent us to seek out the lost. And as we seek out the lost, at times it will be really hard and challenging. We will go through storms and breakers we will be hemmed in and pushed and bruised. And, and Paul, from the passage that we re have just had read for us, has said, well, that's what we are to expect. Paul says this, We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be looking at what is often known as Paul's first missionary journey. We're going to be going with Paul and Barnabas. And we're going to be seeing what it looked like for them and also what it looks like for us to be on God's rescue mission. They went to various different stops and we're just going to focus on three. Last week we saw that they were sent out from Antioch and they were sent out and they go to the island of Cyprus. They also go with Barnabas's cousin, John Mark, and they go to Cyprus, which is Barnabas's homeland. They start at Salamis and they cross the island and they go preaching in all the synagogues. And, and the first stop that we're going to focus on is at their time at Paphos with the unlikely convert. As they reach Paphos, they discover this sorcerer whose name is Bar-Jesus, which means son of salvation. And he also has another, another name, Elimas, which means skillful. But, but the author here in Acts, Luke, he, he tells us that this sorcerer that they come across, he's actually a, a Jewish false prophet. He was skillful at telling lies. He was on a sinking ship and calling other people into this ship that had holes in it that he himself was standing on. But something we find out about Elimas, this sorcerer, is that he was shadowing well, this quite prominent person a pro-council, a guy called Sergius Paulus, a prominent man. It says in verse 7 that this pro-council, he was intelligent. He was prominent. 
probably an unlikely candidate to receive the gospel of Jesus. Yet, verse 7, Luke tells us that, well, he's intrigued, he's interested. He calls Saul and Barnabas to him to, to hear. This sorcerer was perhaps threatened or we're not really sure, but he tries to really divert this guy from Saul and Barnabas. I want to pause here for a second and we see something really interesting that I want to point out to you. I don't know if you, you saw it. For the very first time here, the author refers to Saul as Paul, a name change that is never to be reversed. Now, this name change was probably a, a really culturally appropriate thing as, well, now Paul and Barnabas, they're going to Gentile regions. But what's about to take place in this scene is really a flashback to Saul, now Paul's conversion experience when he was changed forever on the road to Damascus. See what now Paul says to this false prophet. He says, he doesn't sugarcoat this at all. Verse 10, you son of the devil, full of all deceit and all fraud, enemy of all righteousness, won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? Now look, the Lord's hand is against you and you're going to be blind and will not see the sun for a time. And suddenly a mist and darkness fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. This sorcerer at this point, he is exposed for the blind spiritual guide that he, in, that he is. He's blinded. A similar experience to what happened to Paul, yet there was a difference with Paul. He was healed by God's grace. Paul, once Saul, who was once spiritually dead, was made alive because of Jesus. Paul, once Saul, who was in the water, was brought into God's life rescue boat. He was an unlikely convert. And what we read next in verse 12 is yet another unlikely convert at Paphos. Verse 12, then the proconsul, seeing what happened, believed and was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. A commentator says this about what has just happened. The gospel is penetrating to every level and strata of society, even prominent, seeming, seemingly unreachable public figures are within reach of the Spirit through the word of the Lord. What do we see at this first stop? What, are, what do I want and I pray that you guys would see? that no one is too high up, too prominent, too hard for God to save. Our God is mighty to save. And we know that God won't save everyone. But this passage, it shakes up our expectations of who God can save. No one's too hard for him. The pro-council wasn't too hard for him. Saul, now Paul, wasn't too hard for him. That family member isn't too hard for him. That friend that you've been sharing the gospel with for years isn't too hard for him. Your neighbour isn't too hard for him. I pray that we would live and preach and speak and live like this is the case. At our first stop at Pathos, what do we see? We see the unlikely convert and God's amazing grace. Then they travel off the, the island of Cyprus and they go up north and here someone, John Mark, departs from them. 
I won't go into that, but that actually causes a rift later between Paul and Barnabas. He leaves and they now go into the, the region of Galatia. They go to a number of different spots, but the, the one I want to focus on here is when they get to Pisidian Antioch. And at Pisidian Antioch, we see a divided response. They're in a synagogue and, and it was custom as they read out different passages from the Old Testament for someone to get up and, and to speak from them. And so the, the people in the synagogue there encourage Paul, Paul, will you speak to us? And, and Paul does. He takes the pulpit, so to speak, and he preaches. And he says, well, you know the God that, that chose Israel? He is the God that, that saved Israel by his mighty hand from being enslaved in Egypt. He is the God that led them through the wilderness. He is the God that brought them into the promised land. He did it all. The people cried out for a king and so God gave them Saul, who was a physically imposing man. And then God removed him. God then appointed David a man after his own heart and yet we discover that David was also flawed. Verse 23 of chapter 13 refers to a promise that God made that from this family line, from the line of David, God would raise up a king, a king who would make things right, a king who could save dead bodies in the water. And we see the mic drop moment of his sermon in verse 26 when he says, Brothers, sons of Abraham's race and those among you who fear God, the message of this salvation has been sent to us. In other words, he says to this synagogue, he says, guys, the king has come. His name is Jesus. He was the one who died upon that tree and who was raised again. He is the firstborn from the dead, the one who it says in verse 35, who would not see decay. And then we read these words at the end of his sermon from verses 38 to 40. Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers, that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you and everyone who believes in him is justified from everything that you could not be justified from through the law of Moses. So be aware that what is said in the prophets does not happen to you. I've been suspicious for a time that I've been... Allergic to something. There are some times where I just go through sneezing fits and I think, am I crazy or am I actually allergic? And so I went to get tested and recently I got the results of my blood test. And I remember sitting in the doctor's office and, and waiting. And he said, Chris, buddy, I've got not so good news. You're actually allergic to dust mites, highly, highly allergic. Curtains, carpets, they're no good. My blood test it exposed my problem and what Paul is saying here at the end of his sermon is the law of Moses it is kind of like that blood test and it exposes our deepest problem the problem of the people of Israel and the problem of every single person and that is sin the law of Moses couldn't save us from sin we can't get rid of it ourselves our inclination to ignore God and to, do, to go our own way. 
yet this man, this king could. By trusting in him and what he did on the cross, we can be forgiven, justified and made right before God. After this incredible sermon, the the people seem a bit intrigued and they ask Paul to come back the next week and he does and he continues to speak for them. Yet it says that the Jews, as they saw the crowds, became jealous and started to oppose Paul and his message. They did not believe it as Paul had, well, I guess, already said. And then Paul goes on to quote Isaiah 49 and he states his mission. As it says this, I have made you a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That day in Stop 2 in Pisidian Antioch, we see a divided response. We see many Gentiles believe, and yet we see the Jews reject this Jesus. Paul and Barnabas are opposed and they're forced out and they shake the dust off their feet. From this stop, we see our greatest problem in this world is not dust mites. It is sin. And we as God's church have been called on a life rescue mission. We have been called to be a light to the Gentiles, to the ends of the earth. We have the greatest message this world has ever heard. Let me ask you if you are a Christian here listening in, do you believe this message of Jesus is good? Are you moved by it? And if so, if someone were to come up and ask you, perhaps even today at a Father's Day lunch, what makes this message so good? What would you say if you had two minutes? How would you share the gospel? If you're not sure, have a think about it, maybe after this service. At stop one, we see at Pathos an unlikely convert. Stop two in Pisidian Antioch, we see a divided crowd and the light of the gospel. And then at stop three, at Lystra, the last stop we're going to focus on in the region of Galatia, we see them bruised, yet not silent. Lystra has been called by some commentators as the backwaters of Galatia. And as they, as they come to Lystra, they see this man who is been lame from birth and, and Paul, he observes him. He looks intently at him and he says, stand, and this man is miraculously healed by the power of Jesus. As people from that area, as they hear about this, they're amazed and they come and they go, oh my goodness, Paul and Barnabas, you must be gods. And so they start worshipping Paul and Barnabas and, and Paul and Barnabas, they start tearing their clothes and they're like, no, 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 don't worship us. And then Paul, he breaks out into yet another sermon and at really at The climax of this sermon, he says this, he urges them to turn from worthless things, from worthless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them. It's an offensive message and even today to tell people that they're going in the wrong direction. But essentially what Paul does in Lystra and what we're called to do today is to call people to turn from sinking ships, but not only that, to turn from the water that they are in to the one boat that can save them, 
the one captain who laid down his life for us, King Jesus. And what does Paul get from sharing this message in, in Lystra? He's bruised. He's struck. Some of the Jews from Antioch and Iconium, they came and they won over the crowds and it says that they stoned Paul to the point where people thought he was dead. He had rocks pelted at him, blood gushing from him, skin splitting open, I'd imagine. The Christian message is offensive as we cross different boundaries, cultural boundaries. When we tell people that they're going in the wrong direction. And there are some people in the world that perhaps do go through the same sort of persecution that Paul went through here. For us, I gather that's probably not the case. But our hardship and persecution may look like a relational breakdown. It may look like exclusion from a group of friends. It may look, even look like the loss of our job. Yet from this passage in our third stop at Lystra, when Paul is bruised, what does he do? Verse 21, let's read it. After they had evangelized that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them, it is necessary to pass through many troubles on our way into the kingdom of God. Thirdly, Paul is bruised and yet he is not silent. He continues to speak about Jesus that we will go through hardship before we go to heaven. And he goes back through those different places he went through, encouraging and strengthening the believers. But I'm sure many of you today, you are keenly aware of the hardship that we can go through when we share this good news. Maybe you're experiencing that right now. Or maybe you're just so keenly aware that we live in a world and your suffering right at the moment is different. It's not linked to you sharing the gospel, but it's just linked to the fact that we live in a sinful and a broken world. Wherever you're at, we, we seek comfort from this passage. What comfort do we have? Well, firstly, well, we have God's people. These guys went back through the region, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to continue in the faith. They went back to HQ, that first Antioch, and they, they celebrated the wins. I loved hearing from Daniel Zara what God had done in his life. We've got to keep doing that. In this unusual season, let me encourage you, don't isolate yourself. Don't cut yourself off from the family of believers. Meet however is appropriate, whether that's on Zoom or whether it's meeting for coffee, growth groups, whatever. But don't isolate yourself. Continue to gather with God's people because that's the first comfort we see from this passage. But the second one and the core comfort that we see comes from the one we proclaim, the one Paul proclaims, and his name is Jesus. Let me read you some words from a famous hymn written by John Newton. He said this, How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and drives away his fears. 
Paul said, and we hear from his sermons that he preached in these chapters, that our bloodied Saviour stood in our place, that our risen Saviour intercedes for us. Our reigning Saviour has given us a living hope that will not decay. And on our voyage in life, our captain at the helm will take us, if we're with him, safely home. A dearly loved and treasured member of our church, June Heinrich, went to be with our Lord this week. We grieve. We grieve the death. We grieve her death. We rightfully do that. But we don't grieve like those who do do not have hope. Let me read from what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For those bruised reeds among us, take comfort in the Saviour. And would that lead you like Paul, like Greg, and like June did, to press on with God's rescue mission? We have a task to pray and to seek out the lost, for more people to be brought safely into the rescue boat with Jesus. And for those of you who have tuned in today and maybe you've watched from afar, maybe you've been watching people's watch parties and you think that church is just for religious people or for good people or maybe it's not for you, let me urge you and invite you to come to our Introducing Jesus course. If you want information about that, Facebook message us and come and hear about this one who offers hope, the only one who offers hope beyond the grave. Amen.